We're going to talk about a guy that plays one of the more unusual instruments in jazz. It's getting more and more popular, more cats playing these days. But back when he played it, he was one of the first. Yeah. We're talking about the vibraphone. Vibes, you know? Right. Maybe you've already figured it out. Who am I talking about? Well, I'll give you a hint. His middle name is Leo. See, it don't have it. Okay. Lionel Leo Hampton. You got it. Yeah, born in 1908 in Louisville. Kentucky, same place Muhammad Ali was from, except Lionel didn't stay there long enough to be a boxer. <laughs> nope, mom got out of there and moved back to her home in uh, Birmingham, Alabama, to start raising her son by herself. And she stayed there for a number of years and then moved to Kenosha. Uh, Wisconsin for a while, and then finally settled in Chicago, baby. And that was a very, very important destination uh, for the growth and development and the life uh, uh, of Mr. Lionel Hampton. Uh, you see, there were a, a lot of uh, black businessmen there. And um, the racial situation was not nearly as fraught with anger and hatred as, say, Louisville or Birmingham or even Kenosha uh, may have been. And uh, there were some, uh, a very powerful uh, black newspaper, the Chicago Defender there. And the people who ran that were not only wealthy and powerful, educated people, they also were very concerned about uplifting their community. And they did that from the bottom up with the children. So back in those days, uh, the Boy Scouts of America was segregated. In other words, I could be a Boy Scout. In those days, I was a Boy Scout later. I guess you didn't know that, did you? Yes, I was. Be prepared, baby. But Lionel couldn't be a Boy Scout. Uh-uh, not in the 20s, not even in Chicago. So the blacks who ran the Chicago Defenders started a group called the Bud Bittigan Club, which was a club for black youngsters that was built on the same platform as, say, the Boy Scouts, except they also dealt with more education, empowerment, uh, scholarships, um, uh, teaching people to be uh, self-reliant, good businessmen, etc. in uh, the Bud Billiken Club. And of course, uh, Lionel participated in that. Uh, he was raised a Catholic, so he spent uh, his young years at the uh, Holy Rosary uh, School, and in that situation, they had a fife and drum uh, group there. He started his first uh, musical experiences, and later as a teenager, he would end up uh, taking vibraphone lessons uh, to get some really good instruction on uh, proper technique and uh, development, and music reading, etc. cetera, uh, so he would be a well-prepared musician. Um, 
He also uh, participated in the uh, Chicago Defenders Newsboys Band. That's what it was called. Chicago Defenders Newsboys Band. And in that group, he played drums. So now he is taking lessons, playing uh, the vibes, uh, is participating on Fife and Drum Corps, and he's playing drums in the Chicago Defenders uh, Newsboys uh, Band. Uh, that band, by the way, is led by Major, Major, Military Major, in uh, uh, Clark Scott, I think his name was. I do know that he later became the director of bands at Tuskegee Institute and therefore was the band director for the band that served the Tuskegee Airmen. So even as a kid, Lionel Hampton had instruction from the best of the best. Uh, this man was just a legend all over the country. He moved a lot and wherever he went, he was like a Johnny Appleseed of music education. He taught music. Um, now, um, as a teenager, uh, while he's playing drums in that band, he's learning other things. He's starting to play uh, little gigs. Uh, he's starting to expand uh, his education. He's starting to play little gigs with people here and there. He makes good associations. He's got good taste and good instincts as far as who to associate with, who not to associate with. Uh, he played with just about everybody because of his very outgoing uh, personality. Everyone from Mingus uh, to Buddy Rich, these are two very difficult, <laughs> very difficult characters to deal with. Um, uh, Benny Goodman and, and, and others. I mean, he got along with just about everybody. Um, at some point, uh, I'm guessing somewhere around 1936 or so, um, Benny Goodman decides that he is going to put together a small group with a trio and then with a quartet. Uh, he had the pianist, Teddy Wilson, a black pianist of incredible uh, talent. Uh, and um, uh, that made it an integrated group. But then he added Lionel Hampton on vibes. Ooh, that made it real integrated in, in that trio. But then they brought in June, Gene Krupa on drums and made it a quartet. So now you got a group with two whites and two blacks that are performing in public. And this is one of the first groups ever to do that. So Lionel is also on the cutting edge of what we will call social engineering. <laughs> he is forcing a more open society as far as race is concerned with the help, tutelage and leadership, of course, of uh, Benny Goodman. And uh, that relationship kept going on for four or five years. Uh, somewhere around 1940, uh, he decided to leave uh, the Goodman organization, uh, big bands, small bands, trios, quartets, all of it, and uh, do his own thing. Uh, he continued to record with Benny Goodman and, and the occasional performance, but he was not a guy on a record payroll. He's now carving his, his own path. 
and uh, he started forming his uh, first bands, and these bands were very, very, very noteworthy, very, very noteworthy. Uh, by 1942, uh, he had recorded uh, a tune called Flying Home on three different recordings, but the third one was a charm. He had the great Illinois Jacquette uh, on uh, tenor saxophone. And his honking and squeaking and bopping and carrying on that saxophone pretty much ushered in the beginnings of R&B. And some people could say smooth jazz too. But I ain't gonna say that, but I will say R&B. <laughs> anyway, Illinois Jacket and there it flying home. There you go, Lionel Hampton, there you go. Things are changing, it's exciting, people are dancing, it's a good time. Lionel like to have a good time. His band was a good time band, the band is jamming. Illinois is honking and carrying on, the girls are going crazy and dancing, everybody's happy. From that point on, Every saxophone player that sat in that solo chair had to play Flying Home. And out of respect for the legacy set by Illinois Jacket, they had to play it exactly like he played. So they all had, they had to learn it. And it Cobb had to learn it. Just like it had been played. Even Dexter Gordon, when he came into Ham's band and sat in that chair, when they played Flying Home, First chorus, he sounded like Illinois Jacket, honking and squawking and carrying on and walking around and doing his thing too, because that is what that piece required. It became the biggest hit, a legacy hit for the Hampton organization and propelled his career with his big band for the next 40 years or so. Yeah along with a whole lot of other great, great, great songs. Hamp continued to work with anyone who wanted to work with him, any kind of collaboration. Didn't care if it was Charles Mingus or Buddy Rich. It didn't matter what the personalities were or what the musical styles were. Hamp was a trained musician, and so he did those things. He was a very, very early supporter of the establishment of a homeland for Jews. He was a very big supporter for the establishment of Israel. And in 1955-56, the new nation of Israel gave him an award acknowledging his support and helping secure their security in their uh, new homeland. Uh, Hamp was forward thinking and he loved people and he loved tearing down walls, not burning bridges, but tearing down walls. He was raised Catholic. So in 68, when he is in Italy, Italy, doing a jazz festival, wasn't much of a jazz festival. They did some jazz, but some popular songs and this and that. Uh, he's there with Louis Armstrong. And there's this uh, young Italian singer who's experimenting with jazz. They did a song with her. And the Italian audiences went crazy. 
And then after the festival that night, all the available jazz musicians got together and had a real jazz session, a jam session. And Italians got to see jazz the way it's done for the first time. And this revolutionized the, uh, how shall I say this, artistic appreciation of uh, this music in Italy. In 1968, he received a medal from the Pope for those efforts, bridging gaps, tearing down walls, building harmony, just like building chords in music. He was pretty traditional as far as a black man goes that would have come up in the time he did. Most of his life he was a Republican. After all, the Republican Party used to be the party of Lincoln. And during his life, Lionel Hampton donated over $300,000 to the Republican Party. But in 1963, when Republicans started their, quote, Southern strategy, y'all got that right, Southern strategy, he supported Clinton and Gore. And he said, I did not turn my back on the Republican Party they turned their back on me. So he ceased to support them, and he most certainly ceased to write them checks. And instead, he started investing his money in housing projects. His wife had these uh, projects she wanted to do within the community. They would buy property that had been blighted for whatever reason, they would clear the property, and they would build low-medium-income housing. He would form partnerships with people he knew, and so he was responsible for building several uh, housing projects around New York City and in Newark, New Jersey. Not many people realized that he put his money where his mouth was. He didn't just talk the talk, he walked the walk. He built housing for the underprivileged, et cetera. When the Republican Party turned his back on him, he shut down his wallet. He stood for what he stood for. He was a good man to the very, very end. And he kept a smile on his face and a song in his heart to the very, very end. I remember meeting him uh, right here in St. Petersburg, Florida, just a few blocks down the street at a club that used to be called the Garden Restaurant. My good friend Buster Cooper uh, was uh, holding court there back in those days. And Lionel and his band had done a concert at Bayfront Center on Manhattan, I'm not really sure which. Um, but um, after the concert, they didn't go home, they didn't go to their hotel, they came straight down to the garden. And just about the whole band and Lionel himself sat there uh, as these guys came up one by one, sometimes two by two, 
and sat in with uh, Buster's group and played, man, their hearts out. After paying a long concert for big money, they come down to the garden and play for free for the joy of making jazz. And Hemp just kind of sat there and smiled. He was in his element. He loved people, all people. He loved this country. He loved this country. He loved his music. And he loved to smile and with a smile on other people's faces. And everything he did, he did with love. Ladies and gentlemen, Lionel Hampton is one of the major artists, not just in the development of jazz as an art form, but as an ambassador of goodwill all over the world and especially in the United States of America. Thank you, Lionel Hampton. And thank you for listening.